It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, I'm joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, host of Locked On NBA Draft, to dive into the NBA Draft. And Jaden Ivey, what is his fit with the Thunder? A deep profile on him, plus recapping the national championship game, all on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder and the NBA draft, a profile on Jaden Ivey, as well as a recap of March Madness, including the Final Four and the national title. Richard, how are you doing? Let's dive into all of this. You know, it's uh, it's a, the weirdest time of the year because – you know, some some people are just now seeing their first NCAA basketball of the season and have made some harsh, uh, rash, I should say, uh, valuations. And uh, getting met with that, seeing some of the players they're evaluating off of five games, having seen them all year, it's a very interesting uphill battle. So it's a fun time of the year. Who do you think has that moniker on them? Who Who is somebody you've had to battle with uh, recently about a prospect? <laughs> Uh, are you talking about the person who I argued with or the oh, prospect? No, what prospects have kind of had <laughs> that, that situation? Because the odds of you knowing the prospect are significantly higher than uh, knowing the person. Uh, Caleb Love, I mean, I think that's the most obvious one. Uh, I know you'd be surprised it's not Remy Martin, although that might be the new answer with you on here. But no, Caleb Love has been uh, definitely one of the risers of the tournament. He's good, very streaky, and a lot of people are, you know, they didn't see the streakiness because he got hot. And so where, where do you evaluate Caleb Love, a guy like that that had such a great tournament and that we both kind of acknowledge that, you know, the tournament does factor in a lot and, and, and heavily, but as someone who's watched him all year long and seen those streaks, what's your grade on, on Caleb Love, so to say, after this season? Yeah, so I, when he's at his peaks, he's great. I think he's a top 30 prospect, and I totally understand why people did see him as so high, but the problem is he had just as many good games as bad games. It's not really something you want to be saying about a prospect, um, especially one that you're talking about being a first round pick. Uh, for me, we actually did an episode on Locked On NBA Drafts on Tuesday on Caleb Love. And, um, you know, we did a whole deep dive on him. What could go wrong? What could go right? And it really just comes down to can he can he be not a streaky shooter? He has a low release on his jump shot. Uh, can get blocked in the NBA a little bit more than it did in college. I think he declares for the draft. He's only a sophomore, but um, you know, if you look past his first 15 games were really good. And then the next 18 games pretty much going into the NCAA tournament were horrible. He was same points per game. The efficiency dropped by 13%. 
that's kind of how I feel about a guy like Christian Brown, who I, I think that has that streakiness uh, and is somebody who can have a boomer bust potential. And I've seen him mocked in the first round. He seems like a guy that has Memphis written all over him. But but kind of what's your gauge on on Christian Brown? Do you think he should go back to college, stay in the draft? Like, how do you evaluate him and where is his kind of range? Yeah, he's a tough one uh, because there's you asked the question of could he go back to college? And I think he's in the right in the middle of I don't know which one he's going to do. On one hand, he could follow Ochegbaji's suit and go second round and kind of prove himself as a gem, or he could, like Oche did, withdraw and like he should 100% declare whether he stays in or not. Whole nother story, but he should withdraw uh, in this scenario. Maybe follow Oche's suit and absolutely break out as the guy on one of the best teams in the country. Or uh, I mean, I think he, he could sell high and probably go into the first round. And in that case might be worth it. I have some reservations about him. Uh, I think he premeditates almost his entire game, but the size skill and all that, I mean, that combination is just, it's pretty good. That's interesting to hear about, about Christian Brown. Now, who do you think from last night did the most for their draft stock from the national title game, or did it just kind of play out to be a nice college game and doesn't really impact the draft? Well, last night in particular, I really don't think there were many collegiate, uh, or excuse me, NBA draft plays or breakouts. I think for the whole tournament, really the final four, though, as a whole, um, Oche Ogbaji just really stands out. The way he's been able to impact the game, he's an elite shooter, but on top of that, he's able to bring – he knows how to collapse defenses with his shooting. He knows how to use his gravity in college to open up other shooters, things like that, open up his big men, and, and he defends well. He has some lapses, but, I mean, what player doesn't? So I, I think Oche is probably the clear answer. I think so too. I think that he has, again, a, a big ceiling and a relatively high floor as well, in my opinion. I think that he can go as high as the lottery. Do you have him there still? Yeah, I, I think he's at this point, I'd be shocked if he falls out of the lottery. Um, my thinking, and this doesn't even have to do with the evaluation, is you look at the athletic bleacher report and ESPN. If I'm not mistaken, all three of them put Oche Bachi in their lottery. Uh, lately and all three of those are sourced mock drafts where there's smoke there's fire so i i think he's safely in the lottery hey he's gonna be a really good player now i've got to ask as always our traditional question remy martin draftable oh no <laughs> still no, no. Didn't, celebration didn't he almost call kansas the game hey kansas lifted the trophy that's all that matters fair fair but yeah no i, I think okay to be i'll give a more optimistic real answer. Remy will definitely get options in summer league. I, I think from there, hard to predict what happens. Europe's probably his most likely route. And I want to clarify going to Europe's not a punishment. That's not an insult. That's a very, very good achievement that most players don't even make it that far. So I, I think he could play in a high level European league. And I still want to circle back to Brady Manic just uh, you know one more time as we saw him have that final four run against Duke and then the uh, athletic had a great article about him as well. And obviously from here, Oklahoma has a lot of ties here. You know, I would have never believed at this time a year ago that Austin Reeves would be an NBA player. I would just never believed it. And then he became a, a, a decent enough player for the Lakers. Obviously, is there any chance that in this pre-draft process, he can find his way obviously undrafted, but find his way to the right home and an organization that will take a shot on him and can kind of impress them either in the interviews or the workouts or measurables? Or do you think that he's still kind of just 
if he wants to continue his basketball career, going to be overseas, which again is no like shot at these guys. That's a really high level competition. But kind of what's your gauge as the entire season has unfolded for Brady Manic about him right now? Yeah, I thought last year if he had declared out of Oklahoma before using his graduate transfer year as a fifth year guy, I thought maybe he could have been, um, you know, someone who latches on in summer league. And this year definitely helped. Uh, the free throw percentage leaves a little bit to be desired, and his career uh, three point percentage is pretty nice, but. Uh, the way I look at it is there's guys who do more than just shoot in this class at his size uh, that shoot and do other things that Brady Manick does not. I mean, he's pretty mostly one dimensional. He has passing improved to this year, but um, it's pretty minimal. I think he's probably destined to go overseas. I'd, I'd be very shocked if he gets a draftable slot. And just one other thing, since you said the name, uh, Austin Reeves. Let me tell you, if you wanted to see why I, I had Austin Reeves as a draftable prospect from two games and two games only, you didn't need to watch any of the other games. Uh, the TCU games at TCU in Fort Worth, if you watch it, his, I think a junior and Caesar, senior season. Um, yeah, those games, I mean, the junior season one right before COVID hit, it was the last game that I went to before COVID. He had like 38 points or something. And I mean, he led an insane comeback to spoil Desmond Bain's senior day. That's a game. If you ever want to watch the highlights, be like, okay, I see how, how he made it. <laughs> and I just want to talk again about the pre-draft process because it's going to come up here pretty quickly before we know it. And we're going to start doing these profiles and might kind of run out of time. What, what is that determining factor of a pre-draft process that could change people's minds about players? Because I feel like there is obviously something that they do at the combine or in the interviews or in private workouts that elevates them up boards compared to just their college film or overseas film. We saw a bone from Tennessee that year just break all these athletic records. What is the moniker we're looking at to where if we see a certain number, right, a certain statistic, a certain, uh, you know, category, like a, like a bench press or a, a three cone shuffle or, you know, the sprints, like what is that area we're looking at to where if we see somebody perform well or above expectation, we should start to take note of maybe they're going to start to rise. Well, it's, it's the unfortunate truth. It's the reason Desmond Bain didn't go higher. Wingspan's always the answer. Uh, the NBA has way too much uh, of an infatuation with wingspan. And, uh, you know, last year there was, a, there was a very brief period where for like an hour, Sharif Cooper's measurements were uploaded wrong. They uploaded someone else's measurements into him. And Sharif Cooper's a six-foot guard with like a six-foot-one wingspan. And he measured at like 6'4 with a 6'7 wingspan. And people were like, oh my God, he might be the number one pick or something like that. They didn't go that far, but they were like really believed it was true. And the wings and like his, the, because of the wingspan, his draft stock soared for an hour. And then people realized it wasn't real. Um, but I'd say wingspan is probably the number one thing. And then, yeah, I mean, wingspan is the measurable you're looking for. Not even vertical. I was going to say that, but um, I, I really do think it's wingspan far and away. Awesome. So we're going to get into Jaden Ivey coming up. We're also going to talk about kind of the Thunder draft position. Obviously, they had a up and down weekend and have a big game coming up against Portland. We're going to get into uh, all that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I want to say right now, our good friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters competition and odds, podcasts, and reviews. All from the different leagues this season. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet Online is where the game starts. Check them out today. Again, it's just so easy. You go to your URL, 
you type betonline.net, you go to their sports book, and you can bet on anything, including baseball, which is right around the corner. You can even bet on prop bets and future player props. Let's see who's the favorite from the Cy Young. It's in the AL Garrett Cole. They also have Lucas Giolito up there, Shane Bieber. My dark horse pick as I'm looking up and down this list, I think would be Dylan Cease at plus 1,400. You can go bet on that. And of course, they're going to take you all the way through the NBA postseason and finishing up the regular season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to continue tracking along at betonline.net where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, go check out the Locked On Now podcast, a nightly recap show of everything happening from around the NBA with breakdowns from our local experts. It's free and available across all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Roland Styles, joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. And Richard, the NBA draft's quickly approaching, and as the season winds down, we're going to be fully loaded into draft coverage, and that's why today I want to start our profiling series. I do my own draft profiling projection, but it's nice to have somebody here who's been so intimate with these prospects so far this season. Right now, OKC uh, sits at four. They're a half game back of Detroit who keeps winning. And the Thunder have a pivotal game against Portland. Whenever you're hearing this, we'll already know the result of that. But whenever we're recording this, we don't know the result of that yet. OKC, again, is only two and a half above Indiana, who I thought really wouldn't catch them. But Indiana's lost seven straight, and the Thunder were able to lose to Detroit over the weekend, which was huge, but beat the Suns. I mean, who would have thought that? If you had to guess right now, again, this is a Tuesday afternoon. If you had to guess right now, do the Thunder cling to pick four? Man, I, I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma City is one of the hardest. Like, I'm stumped. I, Oklahoma City is a hard team because they have the same situation the Magic have, it feels like, where they already have a good amount of young guys. It's not like it's Detroit where, okay, obviously anything fits. Like, as long as you're not – really, there's actually, there's no as long as. Like, let's learn from Sacramento. You can take another primary ball handler next to Cade Cunningham. Uh, the Sacramento Kings thought that was impossible next to De'Aaron Fox. And then two years later started drafting more point guards. So, uh, you know, that's basically, I would say just take best player available. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of what Oklahoma city is going to do though. I think that the thunder will end with the fourth best odds, but I'm much more scared than I ever thought I would be because the pace is right on your heels because the Lakers tonight could be eliminated from the playoffs. And at that point, LeBron needs to play like what two more games to qualify for the scoring title. Then what's the incentive of playing? And I just wonder what the route would be for the thunder to get lower than that. Because again, they beat the Suns and they were playing just the lowest tier of players you could play on this roster. And yet those players are still young and good and were able to be spunky enough to beat the Spurs. And again, you look at this upcoming schedule and it's just 
the Portland Trailblazers tonight. We saw how hard it was to beat them this season. And Utah, on the second half of back-to-back, should be a guaranteed loss. But that's the last loss I feel great about. I don't feel great that you're going to be uh, going to lose to the uh, Trailblazers. I don't feel great you're going to uh, lose to the Lakers as bad as they've been. I don't feel great you're going to lose to the Clippers because at that point, last day of the season, they should have their play-in fate sealed where they're going to play the same matchup in the same 8-9 slot where it doesn't really matter at that point to where they might want to rest to Paul George or, or something like that. So I just am worried more than I ever thought I would be, but for the sake of the rest of this podcast, let's say that they do faithfully cling to the uh, four slot on the draft odds. And let's just say the draft goes the way we think in terms of the lottery, which I don't think has ever happened, or just goes straight down the line. But let's just say for the sake of argument, it does, and the Thunder pick four, and they pick behind the Magic Rockets in Detroit. That likely leaves the Thunder with Jaden Ivey, and this has been a very polarizing topic, obviously, uh, in, in basketball and with the Thunder specifically, because we can all acknowledge Jaden Ivey is very good, but it comes down to how does he fit with the Thunder? How does he fit with SGA, with Josh Giddy? Does that make Lou Dor extremely you know, expendable, especially coming up on a new contract where you ship him out? What does it do for the roster construction that's already here? But on the same token, you want to take the best player available is Jaden Ivey at that point, if we agree that the consistent top three would be Paolo, Chet, and Jabari, is, is Jaden Ivey the for sure fourth best player? I think fourth best player is a, a tough one. Um, I think he's the pre-draft consensus is so. And I think the top four order is pretty sealed. Uh, or excuse me, the four players that will be in that top four is pretty sealed. And Jaden Ivey is probably the last one in. But I, I do think Jaden Ivey is a very realistic um, – that's, that's the number one pick you're going for at number four, unless somehow Chet or someone like that falls. And so where do you fall on the argument of do you – with this Thunder roster construction right now, do you evaluate it at all as fit yet, or are you still in best player available mode? Like when, when for you, as somebody who covers the draft and has studied draft history to be able to do your job properly, you know like what's kind of worked for other teams and what hasn't, when do you shift the gear from let's just grab talent, let's just grab best players that we can, and then shift the gears to let's grab talent, but talent that fits us, even if that sacrifices ceiling potential? Yeah, I, I think there's a very fine line. Uh, I, I've talked about this. I probably say this now every episode because I'm a Magic fan, but you know, there's a fine line where the Magic, they did this to themselves. They drafted and traded for point guards, and you know they have four guys that are all under the age of 24, that can be young guys. But after, if you draft at fifth, you're cannibalizing yourself. Oklahoma City is teetering on the edge because they already have Gideon, SGA, and Trey Mann. Um, adding a fourth guy makes that a little bit hard. Uh, you're right at the edge. You're kind of in the Orlando conundrum. But the exception for Oklahoma City is like they can run a true three-guard lineup. SGA is 6'6", Giddy's 6'8", 6'9", and Jaden Ivey is 6'4". So it kind of works. But ultimately, with uh, with teams drafting best player available, if they've already had somebody, you know, if they have that cornerstone, look, and this, I, the way I would look at it for this draft is you're probably not going to find a cornerstone in this draft. If you take someone like AJ Griffin, who I think is, I have him one spot above Jaden Ivey on my board. Yeah, you might pass up on like one all-star game or something, but the talent one-to-one isn't that far off where it's not like you're not drafting Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic in this case. 
Yeah, I think that this is going to be an interesting case study for the Thunder and something that can be a turning point for this rebuild, especially if they can catapult into the top three. But let's stick on Jaden Ivey for right now. I want to get into just an entire Jaden Ivey profile with, I want to just turn you loose after the break and let you go with everything you believe about Jaden Ivey, his strengths, his weaknesses, kind of what would be his fit for the Thunder and what you would do as a chain reaction. We'll ask you about this stuff after the break again, but think about this over the break of a chain reaction of if Jaden Ivey is a member of the Thunder, then by August, what happens to the roster? Is that trading Lou Dort? Is that expending Ty Jerome? Is that getting rid of a Vic Critchie or Lindy Waters? What all is the fallout from drafting Jaden Ivey? We'll talk about all of that and more coming up. A very loaded and, and pretty much a very long podcast coming up for you after the break. But first, once here right now, my good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off of your next order. It's fantastic. You should try it out today by going to built.com. Promo code LOCK15. 15% off your next order. They have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off your next order. Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. My favorite flavor is cookies and cream. And why I love Built Bar so much is because as we're all trying to eat healthier and do better, Built Bar has so many flavors that keep it fresh and unique and exciting to where it's not as hard as it could be with other options. Richard, my favorite is cookies and cream, including the white chocolate cookies and cream. What Built Bar is on deck for you today? Man, you know, you stole my thunder. I love the cookies and cream. Uh, I I actually probably should take one, eat one, excuse me, take. Uh, I should probably eat one before I go to the gym in a bit. But cookies and cream fills me up, and, dude, the taste is unreal. It's it's awesome. I, I love it the most. So BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, go check out the Locked On NBA podcast with local experts breaking down the biggest stories around the NBA Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts from. Make sure you go check it out. But Richard, we're back and we're going to talk all about Jaden Ivey. Let's start with just Jaden Ivey. I just want to, I just want to sit back and become a listener at this point. I am a part of the Thunder fan base, obviously. So sell me on Jaden Ivey while giving me your entire profile, his strengths, yeah. his weaknesses. What is your biggest concern about NBA life for Jaden Ivey? And what's something that if you had to bet money on right now, you think he for sure could do? For example, last year, there was a lot of concern about Josh Giddey's jump shot, but we all knew for sure he'd be an elite passer with elite vision. What are those concerns, worries, and no doubters about Jaden Ivey, both positively and negatively? Yeah, so bear with me. This is going to be very long because uh, Jaden Ivey, actually, I was looking through some of my scouting reports, and Jaden Ivey has the most pros on his pros and cons list. Uh, the cons, he has a decent amount, but 
Uh, the, pro the pros are just ridiculous. It starts with his athleticism, his pick and roll ball handling, slashing and playmaking. Those, those tools are all borderline elite. The way he uses screens, he can get to the rim very well. He has an elite change of speed. He can just stop on a dime and make you pay. He, he has an unreal stop and go. I mean, you remember the Rondo move where he would go kind of up and stop on the full drive. He can do that with ease. Doesn't have to do the same move, but same kind of footwork. Does really well in quick offense. He's acrobatic at the rim. Uh, he's really tough to block, I would say, which is kind of hard. To, that's, not, that's not common for a guard uh, that's hard to block. He finishes well with both hands. He glides in the air. Like when he's on drives, I mean, it feels like he's just floating. Uh, he's very, very quick uh, getting to the rim. And and I think the two biggest areas when it comes to uh, to pick and roll for him are that he's composed. He goes around screens very well. Um, he knows how to use them, excuse me. And then his floater and runner out of screens. I mean, you can't you can't drop on him. You can't go too high on him. Um, it, it's it's tough to guard him. And also, he loves drawing contact at the rim. He is not scared of, despite being skinny, he is not scared to draw fouls. So um, when you look at all that, his offense is ridiculous. And then on defense, he has great recovery ability. And again, that speed, um, he can get, he can recover from any angle. And honestly, it's kind of on both ends. At uh, there was a game versus Illinois. If you watch the February matchup, they shut him down at the perimeter where he he would just get like stonewalled and he would just bounce back and still beat him, which is very, very rare for a lower classman in uh, college. But that's the pros I have. Uh, I'll move on to the cons and then I'll pause. But uh, the, the cons stem from the jump shot. He has a low release on the jumper. He's inconsistent and the shot's a little bit slow. And then lastly, just need to add strength. Uh, it's a pretty common thing though for, for young guards. So we just got the pros and cons of Jaden Ivey. And, I, and I'm, I'm somebody who's like a Thunder fan that I've swung back and forth. When I first started this out, I thought, I don't want Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey is a disaster scenario for the Thunder. You trade down from pick four, you trade up from pick four. But Jaden Ivey, while a really, really, really good player, is not something that fits the Thunder. I've since swung to, man, this guy's a bucket. And you take the best possible player you can right now with where the Thunder core is at. But after all the positives and all the negatives and getting to see Trey Mann, getting to see Josh Giddy, getting to see SGA try to coexist together, seeing Lou Dort, and remember his contract scenario coming up soon. What would happen for you if you were in that room with the Thunder and they take Jaden Ivey? First yeah. of all, what's his just vision on the floor? What does it look like for you, X's and O's wise, sharing a floor with Josh Giddy and SGA? Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen, correct me if I'm wrong, SGA has been finding the corners a little bit more. As an off-ball player, I feel like that's his main spot. As an off-ball player, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think you see him take even more corner attempts and cuts. And I think the biggest thing, and this actually just kind of applies to Giddy and SGA, you maximize both. I, I think SGA is fine off-ball. I don't think he's correct. Like Again, stop me at any point if I'm off-base. I don't think he's great off-ball. I don't think he's bad off-ball. Uh, Giddy has some work to do, but it's fixable and eventually you're almost playing to their strengths where they can just take turns doing their thing and all of them should be able to play off ball which is a dream scenario for a three guard lineup that's interesting for the fit for the thunder now as a fallout repercussion from the roster obviously the thunder cannot spend all four picks they spend all four picks they've got to make room for four players on the roster let's just focus on the Jaden ivy scenario 
You bring in Jaden Ivey. Who do you take out? Is it time to move on from Lou Dort? As somebody who has no emotional connection to Lou Dort, is it time to move on from him as a sweetener in a trade to go get something else? Or do you think that Lou Dort can work with Jaden Ivey and you move on to a different candidate? Yeah, no, I think Lou Dort stays. I think his flexibility, I think he can play up pretty well. So um, I think ultimately that's what kind of keeps him around. But I, I think if you had to move one person in that backcourt, call me crazy, but Trey Mann has had a really good rookie year. He's already outplayed his draft stock or at least lived up to it. I think you can get something nice with him in a package. I think so too. I think that with Trey Mann, you said you'd move on to. So yeah. Do you think it'd be time to move on from Trey Mann immediately? Or do you think that you give you give away a Ty Jerome type? No offense to Ty Jerome, but he doesn't have the ceiling as Trey Mann. You give away Ty Jerome type, and then you just let Trey Mann display a skill set another year and then move on and make the decision from there. Or are you saying the ceiling is so high right now because he's getting 30 balls as a rookie and he's able to show you that high level creation and he's still so young, you know, comparatively is now the proper time in your mind still? I think you have that option of Ty Jerome or a bit critchy. Well, yeah, if you can move off one of them. Yeah. But the, the thing for me is like what we're seeing now and what we've seen since like February for the thunder, it's not the real thunder roster, right? Like, I mean, Lindy waters is nice and it's, he's a nice little like, you know, end of bench guy. I think he actually does have, I think some of these guys do have spots in the league, but let's be real. The, the competition that he's, those guys are facing aren't even playing right now. So I think cutting the ties from Ty Jerome still really dives way too far into uh, Trey Mann. And it's just one of those things. If you let Trey Mann stay and don't, and you do draft Jaden Ivey and you're kind of like, all right, everybody, let's figure it out. Trey Mann's going to be the first one to suffer because he's averaging 23 minutes a game. His usage is uh, over 20%, which is pretty good, especially in that, that um, minutes per game range. I think he's going to suffer. I think his stock would fall in that case, which this is why it's so convoluted of what would happen if Jaden Ivey goes to Oklahoma City or Orlando. Both these teams have identical situations. So we walk away from draft night and the Jaden Ivey pick to the Thunder gets a what grade? To B, uh, because at the end of the day, I, I do think he's got all-star potential. He's a guy who, and he probably does hit. I, I just, I have a very hard time seeing him not do, not hit because his work ethic is strong. And like I said, he has the most pros of anybody in the class on my scouting report so far. Those guys work. I mean, not, not saying like I'm perfect or something, because I could be wrong on some of my pros, but uh, I mean, I read through every one of them. And I think if you ran it by NBA teams, they would all say the same thing on that. So maybe I'm just missing some weaknesses that I'm overlooking. Hey, that's a great profile to start with on Jaden Ivey. Of course, we're going to talk about him much more in the future and dive into new prospects each week with our good pal, Richard Stamen. To end the show, because we've gone a little long here, but I do want to end it with this. It's official. Kennedy Chandler has it declared for the draft. You know he's my guy. I got to know right now today, where is he on your board and how can I propel him up there for you? So I saw the news come through uh, as we were recording. Uh, you might quite literally just end the line. I'm, so if I stop talking in the middle of the sentence, you know why. Uh, I have Kennedy Chandler pretty low. I have him at number 36 on my board. And that's why. No, I'm a second uh, no. rounder. <laughs> no, I had to do it one time. No, I, I just, my worry with him is, can he actually shoot over defenses? He had a really good tournament run, which in, and actually not even tournament run, 
He had a great March. There's no way to deny that. Like the, his impact on the game was really good. My worry with him is does he just top out as like a backup point guard? Because I, I just I don't I don't know how he really goes too much higher. The size limitations, the athletic limitations. Um, I, I just I, I can't really get there. What, what's your reasoning for? I know you have him first round, and, and obviously, uh, if Sean Coleman of Lockdown Grizzlies ever hears this, delete the tape. But please sell me. <laughs> yeah, you know, with with Kennedy Chandler, I've I've cooled off on the ranking perspective of him. I've gotten him lower in the first round than I had. I had him as a lottery lock for uh, the you know kind of the preseason board. I've cooled down to where he's in the twenties for me now. But I think his shot creation can be a lot better in the pros. I think that that. Tennessee system did it in no favors in terms of showing his best skill traits. And I do think that he has good driving ability and he's able to use his body in a way to wall off defenders a bit better than he gets credit for, I think. And, and now the reason he got slipped by my board is because how does that translate as you try to do that against guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Grant Williams, even or, or Robert Williams or anyone in the NBA that, that just has a better and different skill set defensively than, than college players. But I still like Kennedy Chandler. We'll have a huge debate about him at some point in this uh, off season. He's going to be our uh, this year's version of, of Jalen Green, who I tried whoa. to say you as number one. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> can, I, can I just add one thing though? I know I know we've already run long, and I'm making this worse. But the big thing for me, and I kind of said this: can he shoot over defenders? You, if you're a point guard in today's NBA, you have to be able to take advantage of switches, and that's my big concern. I don't think he can. That's a fair criticism, I think, of uh, Kennedy Chandler. I think that a lot of the intangibles go his way as well. But we're getting to that at a later date. Next week, let's bring up the energy. Let's bring up the tempo. Let's live in dream world and just say that they get a Jabari Smith. That's our profile next week. We'll be back with Richard Saman next week on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. Until then, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.